Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. For you are our God, you are our Lord. We are singing that you are enough because you give life. You protect us. You are our Savior. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. You are enough. We invite you this morning to be with us. As we meditate on your word, as we read on your word, as we trust you, may you be with us. May you open our eyes that we can see you today in our service. May you open our ears that we can hear you speak in our ears that we can be comforted, that we can be encouraged, that we can say, you are enough. Thank you, Jehovah Almighty. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May I invite you to stay standing as we read the word of God together. Thank you, worship team. We praise God for the wonderful worship today. Our scripture reading is coming from the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 46. Matthew 27, verse 46. I commence reading. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried, Eli, Eli, Lema Sabagatan, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We may get seated. My name is Luan Rambi. Some friends call me Sweet Lou. But this name is easily shared with everyone. You can just put sweet before your name and you try to pronounce it and you see how it sounds like. Try it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it, it is easily uh, shared. You can adopt it. I'm a member of the oversight team here at Fred Church. I've been coming to Flood Church since 2008. I'm excited about the mission of bringing upcoming generation to Christ for transformation. So I'm also excited today because it's, uh, uh, it's Easter season. We are starting a new series. And this series is called The Relentless Pursuit. This is Ramira is also excited about the new series. <laughs> Thank you, Ramira. It's an exciting series. And it's a great season for us to be in. 
So in this season, we are expecting to experience the unstoppable love of Christ. We are expecting to experience the unstoppable love of Christ. That's our bottom line. So the bigger picture is that Jesus is the hope of the world and our ultimate source of hope. The story of Easter reveals a God who is unrenting in his pursuit of sinners. God came to live among his people, not only to expose their sinfulness, but also to reveal how much he loves them. God's love is unconditional and selfless. He loves us even before we can prove our love for him. He died for us in our disobedience. What is truly shocking about God's love is that Jesus died for people who are messed up. People who are in doubt. People who are unbelieving. People who are disconnected. He never waits for us to prove our love before him. He loves us just as we are. So we are saying, in this series, we are saying, on the cross, God loves us to death. And at the time, at the same time, Jesus loves us to life. We have hope today because he is pursuing us. Sometimes I think I'm pursuing God. I'm tempted to think that I am pursuing God. But it is God who is pursuing us. Him chasing us. Where are you? In our disobedience, in our brokenness. So our theme for the message today is Christ the hope for the broken. Christ hope for the broken. Jesus Christ is the hope for the broken. A little bit about Jesus' story. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Bible teaches us about God's master plan. And this master plan is God bringing back his, his people to himself. God is in the business of bringing his people to himself from Genesis to Revelation. And we hear over and over revealing himself to the people uh, that he is God. He is there to do this work. He is there to fulfill this work. So he appeared to Abraham and he said, through you, all nations are going to be blessed. And that is including the Gentiles, including you and me who are seated listening to God's word. And to David, he repeated the same promise. That through you, a king is, is going to be born. He's going to be the savior of the world through David. 
So that's why we hear Bartimaeus in the New Testament. He is crying out to Jesus for mercy, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Because he was connecting the dots of the story that a king is going to be born, the son of God who is going to rescue the whole world. Not only Bartimaeus crying for mercy, but we hear in the, in, the, in the four gospel books, that is Mark, Luke, John, we hear in the book of Matthew, we hear the birth, the work, and the death of Jesus Christ. These are the books that gives us the full story of how Jesus came to earth. He was born. He worked. His works, his miraculous works, his healing, everything that we hear from the four, book, four gospel books. And now we hear of his death on the cross. So there are two reasons why Jesus died. There are two reasons why Jesus died. The first reason is uh, God's master plan. God's master plan. In God's master plan, we are saying Jesus died to bring us near to God. Jesus died to bring us near to God. Christ died for sins once for all, for righteous and unrighteous. Before Christ's death, we were far away from God because of our sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Our sins separate us from God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3, verse 23. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10, verse 45. His death fulfills the, the, old the old covenant sacrifices, such as the sin offering of the Passover. In the past, our ancestors, whenever they, they have sinned or they have involved in disobedience to God, they would offer a ram. They would offer a sacrifice to God in order for them to be forgiven. But now we are saying Jesus has come, no more sacrifices. But him is our sacrifice, dying for us so that we can have everlasting life. Imagine this time, everyone coming to Fried Church with a goat, uh, <laughs> uh, with a cow, a big one. And uh, it would be hard because of economic crisis. Some of us wouldn't have managed to buy a cow and a cattle and whatever. Economic crisis, world economic crisis. But Jesus paid it all on the cross. The second reason uh, in God's master plan, we are saying 
Jesus died to reveal God's character. Jesus died to reveal God's character. At the cross, we see the climax of his covenants with Israel. And we witness the final and dramatic proof of his love and justice. God demonstrates his own love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In our sinful nature, Christ died for us. He's not waiting for us to be holy so that we can come or we can go to him. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ's death put beyond reasonable doubts that the, the fact that God loves us. He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us. One son offering him for us, for our sins. Jesus died to prove the justice of God. You and me, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So the fair judgment is that we are dying because of our sins. Fair to be, that's justice. Now God, through his love, is bringing Jesus to die on our behalf. We, see, we, we, we do not only see the love of God, but we also see the justice of God. And also, we also see how serious God is with our sin. Those are the two master plan reasons why Jesus had to come and die on the cross. There is also a human point of view of the reason why Jesus died on the cross. We hear in the story that we have read, not what we have just read, but the, the story before the verse that we have read, we see that the, the Jewish readers plotted false accusations against him. This is a story. In our understanding, we hear it, we read it, that the Jews plotted false accusations against him. And we hear through the same chapter that Judas betrayed him. And we see that Herod and Pilate tried him. And we see the Roman soldiers executing him. And now some people say the wicked people crucified Jesus Christ. Those are the human point of view. But God's master plan is that Jesus died so that he can bring us near to God and he can reveal God's character. 
In our today's passage, we see Jesus going through pain, suffering, being nailed on the cross to the point of death. We see him feeling lonely and crying to God, Eli, Eli, lama sabakatani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know how you can cry in your mother tongue language, but this was Jesus. Eli, Eli, lama sabakatani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is crying. Jesus was heartbroken. Jesus was in pain. Here are some truths about being broken. Here are some truths about being broken. Our culture can determine and affect the way we respond to our brokenness. But do not remove our emotional feeling about it. We are saying our culture cannot remove our pain, cannot remove our brokenness, but it can determine or affect the way we mourn. The way we respond to our loneliness, to our pain, to our, to our persecution, to whatever we are feeling, our culture cannot take away our pain, but it can affect the way we mourn. So in our culture, there is a common saying that a man do not cry. Uh -huh. Have you heard about this? They say, a man do not cry. That's be strong. A man do not cry. But here, we see Jesus crying. Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is crying. So our culture will, will tell you to suppress the pain, to hide it. To keep it to yourself. Why are you even telling us? Keep it to yourself. We are also suffering. Suppress it. Keep it. But that is not, but is, but that is not going to take away our pain. But Jesus Christ is crying. That's the emotion of feeling about what he was going through the pain, the struggle, the mocking, and all that. Another truth about our, about our brokenness is joy is the result. Joy is not the result of the absence of hardship but because of where you have put your hope. Joy is not the result of the absence of hardships, but because of where you have put your hope. There was a, a day my friend approached me and said, Sweet Lou, I always see you smiling, 
uh, being friendly and looking nice. Do you meet problems? Do you really meet challenges? I said, wait a minute. If you have time, I can start from morning to evening telling you my problems. I want to finish them. Because we all go through different challenges, different struggles. But where do we take our pain to? Where do we take our brokenness to? So joy is not the absence of hardship, but it's where you have put your hope. So I'm inviting you that we need to put our hope in Jesus Christ because Jesus is the hope for the broken. So when people are saying, a man do not cry, but you hear in the newspaper that more men are committing suicide than women, then you are saying, oh, wait a minute. So people can hide the pain, but just hang themselves. So you can skip crying and just put your life to death as a way of responding to pain. This is how Judas responded to his brokenness. In the passage that we have read, we hear that after looking at what happened, he took the rope and he hanged himself and died. That's what we hear after he betrayed Jesus and he saw what was happening. He's like, no, 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 no. This is too much for me. Has, he had to take his life. There are two ways how we respond to our brokenness. Two ways how we respond to our brokenness. The first one is we turn away from God and put our hope in other things. We turn away from God and put our hope in other things. A little bit of a story of what happened to me when I was staying in area 49. There was, day, there was a day when I was uh, asleep. Midnight. It was raining. With our poor drainage system in our community, my house was downstream. The water came through the door into my house. The whole house was flooded with water. Mind you, I was asleep. When I woke up, I saw the bugs and other stuff floating around, around my bed floating around my bed, everything, just floating. 
It was like a dream, but it was real. I was broken. I was scared to death. I was like, what should I do? If I step into the water, I was afraid that maybe there could be some, some cables running around and then I might be shocked to death. What should I do? I had nothing in my mind at that time. I cried in my mother tongue language. I said, wait that away, wait that away, wait that away. Wait that away, wait that away. I was calling upon my dad who passed on like 15 years ago. Hoping that he could come and rescue me. So when we are in this situation, in hardship, when we are broken, we are confused. We do not know what to say. When you hear some stories about the cyclone Fred, what is happening, you hear the news and then they are asking people, what do you want? Some people are mentioning something that you are like, really? Really? This is what this person wants? But it's a state of confusion. I hear there's someone who said, people are bringing chips. We want simmer. We want real food. So when we are, you are in a state of confusion, you are confused. When you are in hardship, you are broken, you are confused. You do not know what you want. At that time, I had put my hope in my friends. Those I, I thought I could call them and then they can come and help me to discover all what I lost. I trusted my friends from abroad. I trusted my mom. I trusted my, my brothers. I, I trusted my neighbors. But I had put false expectations. And I kept on being broken and broken and broken and broken. But my hope was not in Jesus Christ, was in what I am going to receive after everything is done. Am I going to restore all these things? So a friend of mine called me and he said, So Luani, we heard that you are in a crisis, the water filled your house. What's, what do you need most? What can I do for you? I said, I lost a radio. <laughs> I said, I lost, a, I lost my radio. And then he, yeah, she said, I'm going to buy a radio, and that radio is coming to you. And it wasn't my real read. When the radio came, I couldn't even use it, because it wasn't my real need. But you know what? Jesus knew what I wanted. Sometimes when you are broken, sometimes when you are faced with difficulties, you do not know even what you want. You do not know even what you need. It's a situation that needs Jesus, because he is the hope to the broken. 
another way of responding to our brokenness is turning towards God. Turning towards God. Turning towards God. On the cross, Jesus cried, Eli, Eli, Lema Sabagatan. This is a cry to God. This is a cry to his father. He knew in that situation there was someone who will hear him. Who will hear him cry. That's why he said, my God, my God, my those people who teach English, I'm not a, a, an English teacher, but if you say my, that is a possessive word. My God, my God. He's turning towards God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a cry to the living God, knowing that God is there for him. But now wondering, where? My God, my God, where? Where? Why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Rather than my response that I did, who is going to help me? Who is going to bring all the things that I have lost? Busy, 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 busy. Turning away from God. But Jesus is our example that we need to turn to God. Some people are turning towards this. In this world, as I've said earlier on, that there are many people committing suicide in their hopeless situation. Let me take my life. But this Easter season should remind us that Jesus is our hope for the broken. We need to tend to him. We need to tend towards him. There was a day my wife was cooking and she got bent with fire. And then she said, my mom. And then I, I looked at her and I asked her, why are you calling your mom while I'm here? Why are you calling your mom while I'm here? Because it was, a, it was a, a desperate situation, a response to say, what am I going to do? I can call anybody who is around. But her mom was not around. I was just close to her. So we can call to Jesus, not to our mom, not to our sisters, not to our brothers, because they might be far away from us. But Jesus, as we are talking now, he is alive. He is with us. So it makes more sense to call upon him 
than me to call upon my dad who passed on 15 years ago. Than call, than, than call my brother who is 300 kilometers away from me. There is suffering. There is pain around us. A friend of mine posted something on his status. He said, living in Malawi is already a heartbreak. He said, living in Malawi is already a heartbreak. Then I was, I was like, wait a minute. Heartbreaks are all over the world. Where there are people there are heartbreaks. People are going to be broken. It's not only in Malawi. Go to Brazil. Go to India. Go to America. Go to Japan. Go to Australia. Go everywhere. You will find people broken. It's not only in Malawi. Oh, living in Malawi is a heartbreak. But the good thing is that Jesus is close to those who are broken. Jesus is close to those who are broken. He's not far from us. He is with us. There are three ways why we should put our hope in Jesus. Three ways, three reasons, rather, why we should put our hope in Jesus. First is that he suffered on our behalf. He suffered on our behalf. He was put on the cross. He died for us. He was mocked. He experienced pain, unbearable pain. He suffered so that he can sympathize with those who are suffering, those who are broken. Not only sympathizing with them, but being with them, saying, I am here, I'm with you. Wiping the tears of those who are crying, encouraging the weak, providing for those who need, who are in need. The second reason why we should put our hope in Jesus is that he died on our behalf. Jesus died on the cross for us because of our sins. This is the love of God at its climax. Climax. 
the love of God at its climax. Jesus dying to give us life, to give us eternal life. Jesus offering himself as a sacrifice, giving himself as a ransom for our sins. The last reason why we should put our hope in Jesus is that he is alive. He is alive. He is not he did not only die on the cross, but as we are speaking, as I am talking to you, he is alive, seated at the right hand of our God. He is alive. The grave is empty. He is alive so that we can live with him. We can live in him. He, so he suffered, he died, he did not only die, but he rose from the dead. That gives us hope that he is with us. If he only died, then how can our life be sustained? Our life in him is sustained because he is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. In our nation, there are many things that we are going through. We are still mourning our brothers and sisters who were swept by the cyclone in the south. We are still mourning as a nation, mourning for our brothers and sisters. They lost a lot of stuff, a lot of things. In our families, there are many things that, are, that we, are going, we might be going through. At work, many challenges. We are here representing a number of challenges, of brokenness that we might be going through. But today, we are encouraged to face Jesus. Today, we are encouraged to ring Towards Jesus to ring towards the cross, our pain was crucified, our heartbreak here. Let's put it here. This morning I met my friend Miriam. She said, Sweet Lou, I've been having a hard week, a very, very sad week. I, I said, what happened? She said, my dog died. 
He said the whole week she has been feeling sad. Just before I came to speak this morning, that Jesus is the hope to the broken. An invitation to belong to God. There is an invitation for us to belong to God. Because Jesus died so that he can bring us to God. So that he can reveal the character of God. That's the love of God. In a silence, think through some of the struggles, the challenges that you might be going through. And let us put those challenges, those struggles, those brokenness to the cross. In a moment, we are going to worship God together. But as uh, the front worship team comes up in front, think about what you are willing and ready to put on the cross. So we are saying this season it's not a season that we can feel sorry, feel bad, but it is uh, a good news. It's good news because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. The love is displayed on the cross. The love is displayed on the cross. May I invite you to stand as we worship together.